Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In today's episode, I visit with Ben Colton from State Street Global Advisors and Rusty O'Kelly from Russell Reynolds and Associates on their recent joint paper, Board Oversight of Racial, DE&I. This is Bart Peterson, and you are listening to Across the Board on the Compliance Podcast Network. Across the Board is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today I have with me Ben Colton, State Street Global Advisors, and Rusty O'Keefe, excuse me, O'Kelly, Russell Reynolds and Associates. Gentlemen, uh, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Uh, could you tell us your um, current positions? Sure, I can start. Uh, my name is Ben Colton. Uh, as uh, thank you for the introduction, I'm the the, the global co-head of our asset stewardship program at State Street Global Advisors. Uh, State Street Global Advisors is an asset manager with over three trillion dollars in assets under management. Uh, happy to be here with you. And I'm Rusty O'Kelly. I co-lead the board and CEO practice at Russell Reynolds. Russell Reynolds is one of the five uh, largest global search firms in the world. Uh, gentlemen, you wrote an article entitled Board Oversight of Racial uh, DE&I, and I was really uh, impressed by the article, and I should say co-wrote with uh, also Holly Fetter, but um, I really wanted to get you guys on a podcast to maybe explore some of the topics and issues you wrote about it and how this really uh, is a critical part of ESG. So if I could start with, uh, why did you jointly write this article? Yeah, um, maybe I could start out. Um, the intention of this collaboration was really to look both in the mirror and through the window as well from, from State Street Global Advisors' perspective. So um, we wanted to first explore how State Street Corporation um, could be, become best in class in their oversight of racial and ethnic diversity uh, and DEI more generally. So that was really looking within the mirror. Um, in 2020, State Street Corporation announced that it would be taking 10 actions to address address racism and inequality. Um, and as part of those 10 actions, um, the asset stewardship team, the, the team that I lead, um, was tasked with an internal co-functional, um, cross-functional work stream to, to really study what is best practices um, out in the market. So uh, we were lucky enough to team up with, with Russell Reynolds Associates and also the Ford Foundation um, to, to, to explore this topic, which um, it was relatively new um, in terms of of what are the best practices. So it was a fantastic opportunity to shed light uh, onto a, a new and, and, and definitely an important area. Uh, from, the, from the window perspective, looking out um, in the companies in which we invest in, um, our asset stewardship pro- program has had a long-standing focus on effective boards and effective board oversight of environmental, social, and governance issues. Um, as I mentioned, there's relatively a lack of literature in the field regarding board oversight of, of DEI, and we really wanted to enhance that, uh, that literature. It's also a part of our team's growing focus on social issues and especially the governance of those social issues. So that was really the genesis of, of this collaboration with Russell Reynolds and the Foreign Foundation. Could you follow up, Ben, with who is this article aimed at? 
Yeah, so the purpose of this article was, was again, to, to, to provide best practices or guidance for boards to start thinking about these issues more closely and, and, and how they can capitalize on the opportunities and also they can mitigate against the risks related to DEI. So it was really meant for corporate directors who are looking to get serious about managing these risks and opportunities. It's also useful for C-suites who will be managing the risks and opportunities in the day-to-day. Um, another audience uh, members could be stewardship team, like like the stewardship team at, at State Street Global Advisors and others that are focused on engaging, voting, and, and, and analyzing disclosure um, related to DEI and, and its oversight. You hit upon two reasons that the article impressed me so much is you and I have, you and I have had the chance to visit around uh, asset stewardship and issues related to that previously, but this article really also uh, focuses on stakeholders, and you touched upon that by uh, looking in the mirror, which I thought was a great phrase. But if I can now turn to what uh, does or perhaps should motivate a board in the oversight of uh, racial equity and equality? Yeah, maybe I can start out and, and then Rusty can, can add some more context because he's looking at it through uh, a different lens. From from our perspective, um, before writing the paper, we really leveraged some of the insights that we were getting from our conversation with companies um, and to, to identify the key risks and opportunities related to racial and ethnic diversity. And, and, and those included, you know, reputational risk um, or, or strategy, how, how our companies um, formulating their strategy, um, the risk and opportunity related to financing, regulatory and compliance risks and opportunities, human capital management, and lastly, the economic impact. Um, so, so we identified these six different areas. Uh, when we were going through these interviews, we found that most directors were motivated um, uh, by reputational risks or also thinking about this through a strategic lens as well. Um, so we were pleased to see that the impact from our conversations and our focus on investors was 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 actually resonating within the boardroom. Um, we will we were finding that, um, as you mentioned, that few directors were really focused on the potential societal impacts of their operations and services on communities of color. Um, so, so we believe that this is going to increasingly become important. So we wanted to share best practices and really bring this to the forefront because we think that this is increasingly going to be a, an important issue for, for, for boards to consider. Rusty, maybe you, you have more context from your lens. Yeah, when we talk to boards or just context, Russell Reynolds works with in the U.S. alone 250 boards a year, or 200 boards a year um, in public and large private companies. And what we're seeing Almost all of them talk with us about DNI. It is is a huge agenda item, and it is on reputation and strategy. And I would I would emphasize we also hear a lot about human capital. That's probably because they're talking to us because they want to make sure that they have a, a brand in the market that can attract the best talent. They want to make sure that they are taking advantage of all the potential markets uh, that they can go after. And they want to make sure that their their reputation also within the media, with other stakeholders, is positive. Um, so it, it is a topic that is ubiquitous, to say the least. And it's not just about board recruiting. It's also about the executive teams and how to ensure that the culture is inclusive, uh, because they want to make sure that with a diverse workforce and, and a diverse board, um, that they're getting the best out of everyone. 
If I could follow up, uh, Rusty, what does board oversight look like in practice from your perspective? It's evolving. That, that's the simplest way to put it. And that's why we were so happy to partner with State Street and the Ford Foundation um, to help give boards some guidance. Very few boards as a collective are talking about DEI on a regular basis. Now, let's be clear, it comes up, it, it, but it, is it a regular agenda item? No. You know, depending on what part of the topic that boards have broken it up into, it may be in nominating in Gov around board composition and do you have the right diversity there. It could be in compensation as, you know, what kind of metrics do you have or not? Because uh, many, most companies do not have metrics around this, compensation metrics around it, but that's where the, that discussion happens. And it could be an audit as one of the types of risks that a company could face. So it, it is an evolving um, it's evolving as we speak. And that's why this paper is so helpful because it will help give boards guidance on where particular topics uh, can go and that it can be part of and should be part of the full board agenda. Rusty, what type of metrics do you suggest a board employ, uh, look at, or, or request from uh, their corporation they're overseeing? I think it has to be customized based on the impact you want to have and based on your business. So we all know the adage, what get what gets measured gets done. And so each company, the board needs to have a thoughtful conversation about what it is that where they see an opportunity um, and where they want to try to make some take some corrective action or where they're having very positive results and they want to continue reinforcing it. I mean, there are some classic metrics around board diversity, ethnic diversity around senior team, ethnic diversity. And, and I would be remiss that if I didn't mention that, you know, NASDAQ and, the S and with the SEC's blessing is now going to be requesting information for disclosure on board makeup. Um, so in addition to the diversity mandate and that comply or explain regime, you know, what, what is often not being talked about is you're going to have to have a board matrix to disclose um, the racial identity of directors or, or why they did not uh, disclose or that they're, they're not identifying. I think that's going to prompt many conversations. Um, many boards are focused on retention issues, and so they'll, they'll look at those type of metrics in the workforce. So there's really a wide variety of metrics that one can look at depending on what your target is. Uh, another example is, you know, consumer companies are really focused on penetrating certain markets. You know, you'll see strategy and business and operational related metrics around market penetration among certain communities um, as a metric. The key for success is align it against your strategy and your overall business goals to make sure you're measuring, you're measuring and getting uh, focused on the areas that are important. Um, both of you, both of you all work in the international context. What are some of the challenges in that international and global context in this area? Yeah, maybe I can I can start. You know, Standard Global Investor Advisors is an investor across uh, across the globe, so many many different markets. So I say I think that first and foremost, uh, one of the challenges is that diversity is going to simply mean different things in different jurisdictions, different contexts. Um, so what it means. Um, in one country may be different than it means to another country. Um, furthermore, you know, even across the United States or, or um, if you look at a company's um, footprint in terms of, of the operations uh, or the communities in which it's operating within, 
um, diversity is going to mean different things. Um, so having a universal definition is, is very, very difficult. Um, also, the access to data um, is, is, is a challenge. In some markets, um, data, collect, data collection is either prohibited or there's a lot of restrictions around it. Um, so we're lucky here in the United States to have a standardized format um, in the form of, of EEO1 um, surveys, but, but we understand that there are, it's not a perfect tool, um, and, and, uh, but it is a good starting point. Um, so considering racial and ethnic diversity in a particular context is, is, is a challenge. Um, also education, so directors um, not always being educated on, on the context outside of their own regional or personal experience. Um, so, so that's that's a place where, where, where Rusty and his team can also get involved in terms of the education. And lastly, I think a challenge is, is, is as Rusty, Rusty mentioned, it's a constantly evolving field. Um, so, so, so getting up to speed with, you know, um, current events, best practices, um, that's something, you know, why we felt it was useful to, to partner with the Ford Foundation and Russell Reynolds as well, because um, this is a constantly evolving field. And, and we want to get different perspectives looking at it and understanding um, you know, you know, what are the challenges and opportunities um, that boards are facing? Yeah, I completely with agree with everything Ben said and don't want to repeat it. I would add on that. Be clear in what you're looking for around diversity. Um, you know, there are there as you look around the world, diversity means different things. And how you define diversity can be truly nuanced, not just in the macro sense. Ben was talking about, you know, it's funny. We, we had a conversation with a client just last week who's who's Hispanic, who said, you all need to do more for Hispanics. And we shared some of our data, some of our statistics. And he said, well, no, no, no. All these people from foreign countries uh, who are Hispanic, you know, um, from Mexico, from Central America, they don't count. I mean, U.S. born Hispanics. What do you mean they don't count? I mean, it's one of those things you have to be clear and really have to focus on what is going to be helpful in terms of the business, in terms of moving the conversation along, because you want diverse people from different backgrounds in order to help better understand your stakeholders and better lead and lead the company uh, from an executive point of view, and govern the company from a board point of view. Rusty, in addition to that uh, flexibility that you raised, uh, what other guidance would you su- suggest for a board at this point? Well, I, there's a lot that we could say. And so one of the things that we did that I, I was so pleased that uh, State Street, Ford, and Russell Reynolds could align around is we came up with a 10 responsibilities of boards and the effective oversight of racial and ethnic diversity. And we actually had a top 10 list. And I'm not gonna go through all top 10, I would just urge you to read it. But I think that the first and foremost is ensure that the CEO and the board chair, whether they are one person or different people, you know, are com- have a capacity and commitment uh, to drive the racial efforts long-term. And, and this is really important because our society is evolving. You know, I think we've just seen in the past 10 days um, of this recording, U.S. Census data come out. Our society is evolving pretty dramatically. And consequently, boards and CEOs, this isn't a nice to do. It's a must do because your stakeholders and particularly your workforce will continue to be more and more diverse and you're going to need to have leadership at the board level and at the executive level that reflects that diversity 
and builds an inclusive culture. Um, I think the other is particularly with the board, you know, make sure that there are board members, you know, who have experience with the oversight of DE&I in their executive life or uh, as board and boards elsewhere. It doesn't mean every board member, but make sure there are at least a couple that do, because just like you want experts on other, just like you want people on other topics who have experience in different areas, you want people who have the experiences who know what good looks like, but also knows where the problems are. Um, and then finally, I would say, you know, make this part of the business strategy and work toward clear and quantitative performance metrics. What gets measured, what gets done. You know, one of my favorite quotes in all of these interviews were, you know, this is about setting goals. And American business, global business, they're very good at setting goals. We set goals, we go after them. Same thing with uh, DEI and racial DEI. You set goals, not quotas, goals. You, you measure them along the way. You course correct and you reward at the end or don't reward at the end, depending on whether it's met, just like any other business goal. You know, and again, repeating, this isn't something that's nice to do. This is something that's a business imperative because of the changing the quickly changing demographics of our society and of your workforce and of your customers. No, I think that's I think that's a, a really helpful overview, and 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 I would urge folks to to look at those ten, um, you know, those ten points that that we established in terms of guidance. Um, and, and I and I think it's 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 really critical for us as stewards. It's not just a business imperative for companies to look at, but the reason I'm looking at it through through my lens uh, from an asset stewardship perspective is because this is about value. This is about generating long-term value, sustainable value creation, having a strategy, having oversight as these important important issues. Um, because at the end of the day, managing the risks and opportunities related to DEI. Um, is financially material to the long-term value um, of a company. We truly believe that. And Ben, I, I want to build on that. You know, I work at one of the five largest recruiting firms in the world. The number of really high-caliber talent, you know, senior management, C-suite talent, um, that equate DE&I to culture, to whether they can be included, and it's not just diverse people. It's also people who are from the majority who go, look, if we're not good at DE&I, I wonder how I'm going to fit in. Because people don't take jobs for 30 years anymore. You know, people, talent moves. And if you want the best talent, and if you want talent that is going to be able to contribute, DE&I is really about creating an inclusive culture where everyone can contribute. That is a business imperative. Because if you lose the war for talent in a knowledge-based economy, your your company will not be as successful as others. You Absolutely. Know, it, it is not steel mills anymore. It is coding. That is intellectual capital. And that intellectual capital is mobile. And they will go where they feel that they can contribute. Um, and this is particularly true. It, it's not just millennials. It's, you know, it's other groups that, and all of us want to make a difference. And so, that's why this is really a business imperative. So you can recruit the right talent, particularly at the mid-levels and senior levels, that will really make a difference on the execution of your business strategy. And, and the tone starts at the top. I mean, the tones 
starts at the top when you think about leadership, when you think about the C-suite and you think about the board having a focus on this. I know, you know, when State Street Corporation announced their 10 actions um, to really become best in class and how we're looking within the mirror, um, it sets the tone throughout the organization. It creates um, a, a sense of pride and it also helps at establishing a, a, an inclusive culture. And, and as Rusty pointed out, you know, the, the, the drivers of value are changing within, within um, you know, the, the corporate America and, and, and without cor- across corporations uh, across the world. If you look at the main driver of valuations, it's now intangible assets where it used to be tangible assets, property, plant, and equipment. Now it's intellectual property. It's, it's, um, uh, innovation. Um, and so in, if you're not addressing these issues, you're not establishing an inclusive culture. If you're not um, promoting cognitive diversity, then it's increasingly coming a business risk. And you are going to, um, you know, you're going to be exposing investors to uh, more risk if you're not establishing a culture that's inclusive, that's promoting um, this type, type of innovation, innovative thinking and, and differences in perspectives. I would just add one more point. One of my favorite studies on the value of this is not from, you know, one of the big consulting firms or a big university. It's from the Carlisle Group. And well, I urge this is Tom to go Fox on the again. website. Thank you for Carlisle listening to this episode of Across the Board. We're going to link um, to the to State Street Global well. 2020 Asset Stewardship Report in our show notes. And they looked at uh, I would suggest you check it out. It's management diversity. great information. They control and for all the very compliance practitioners. It's this in the issues of ESG, sustainability, and what they have seen is. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you'll join us in our next episode and across the board where we continue to explore issues related to to directors, clients, mismanagement, and now ESG and sustainability. They have all the data. They can control the inputs. And if you look on their website, I think it's really impressive uh, to see the work that they did and to show the clear link. Uh, between diversity and value creation. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You both have talked about uh, very passionately sustainability, but I want to pose the question in the broader context of ESG, do you also see this as a G issue? Because it strikes me in listening to you both that this is a corporate governance issue as well. I was wondering if I might get your thoughts on whether these issues are critical to the overall success of the G component of ESG. Absolutely. Um, and, and I like to refer to it as, as the G of S, so the governance of social issues. Um, but you're absolutely right in saying that this is a governance issue. Um, first and foremost, if you just look at the composition of the board itself, um, you know, having uh, cognitive diversity is one of the drivers why we started focusing on, on gender diversity uh, many years ago through our Fearless Girl campaign. Um, you know, not having diverse perspectives on the board 
um, you know, is is leading more companies toward boards to group things. Um, there's a lot of academic evidence showing that diverse groups see risks from different perspectives and business better outcomes, better business outcomes. And, and Rusty just met, referenced um, one study of, of numerous studies pointing towards uh, the benefits of cognitive diversity. Um, and diverse groups at the C-suite and the board level. And also, if you look at the nomination process itself, if you have a board um, that's only been white males for many, many years, then there's probably something wrong with the nomination process itself. There's probably something flawed in the nomination itself, process of identifying and selecting new directors. So that's a governance issue. Then if you look at um, you know, what we're looking at is, is, is other stakeholders as well, whether it's your employees or the communities in which you're operating in. That's a governance of social issues. So how does the board have oversight of a wider set of stakeholders outside of the board itself? Um, and I think that that is a new and emerging area. We're already seeing that in the environmental side. So it's not just about the company's um, carbon footprint. It's also about how um, you know boards are thinking about the governance of environmental issues. Um, so, so having oversight of, of ESG is absolutely um, essential, and it's a new and growing area um, that we're really focused on. I, I completely agree. I, I would just say it's a shame we call it ESG because it should really start with governance. You know, it is about the governance of environmental and sustainability issues. It is about the governance of social and uh, other stakeholder issues, I, I would start with the G. How is the board going to establish a framework, parameters, metrics of what it will oversee in its capacity? And how will management uh, think about the execution um, of those things? I think those are critical questions. And, and the board should be considering um, issues that are financially material to the long-term value and sustainability of the company. And increasingly, are we seeing that environmental issues and social issues are becoming more and more financially material um, for, for the numerous reasons that we've pointed out. Um, so increasingly, the board is going to be expected to have oversight of these financially materially related to environmental and social issues, uh, factors. Gentlemen, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this podcast, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on State Street Global Advisors or Russell Reynolds Associates. Uh, where could they go? Yeah, they can go to both of our websites. Uh, the report is available on both Reynolds, Russell Reynolds' website and also State Street uh, Global Advisors' websites. Um, additional guidance from, from how we're looking at diversity inclusion or, or diversity more generally is also available on our website. We've been talking about the article Board Oversight of Racial DE&I. We're going to link to the article in our show notes. Ben, it's always a pleasure to have the chance to visit with you. And, Rusty, it's been a pleasure to visit with you for the first time. I hope we can continue the conversation going forward. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. And Ben, always good to see you. Likewise. Thank you both. I appreciate your time. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Across the Board. We're going to link to the article Board Oversight of Racial DE&I in the show notes, so I hope you will check out that article. Also, I hope you will check out my new podcast, The ESG Report, where we talk about more of these ESG issues in greater detail. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you'll join us in our next episode and across the board where we continue to explore issues related to boards of directors, compliance, 
risk management, and now ESG and sustainability. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.